welcome to the Body Bag Podcast. I am your host, Broke Rider Dave, and like always, I am with Chris Thomas. How are you doing today? What's good, everybody? I'm fresh off of this movie. And this week, we are reviewing 13 Ghosts, not the original, the 2001 remake. This one was your pick, correct? Yes. So if you were to sum up like the way you feel about this movie in one or two words, what would it be for you? I rank it number four in my top five horror movies. I absolutely love this movie. Well, then this is going to be an interesting uh, podcast because this movie was frustrating to me. <laughs> yeah, for me, I, it's more like nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I watched this movie all the time as a kid, so. Well, we'll, we'll get into it why, but the entire I wrote like notes upon notes about why this movie is so frustrating to me. But before we get into that, do you want to give a brief synopsis of what the movie's about? Okay, so at the beginning of the movie, you meet Cyrus, who is a ghost hunter, and they are hunting this ghost called the juggernaut while they're trying to capture him there's a struggle which kills uh at least six or seven people one of those people being cyrus and then with cyrus dying his nephew arthur inherits his house which is good timing because arthur is a uh, struggling widow with two kids recently lost his house and his wife in a fire so inheriting this mansion seems like a great thing for him and when they get to the house they're they're amazed because it's a beautiful house and then they realize in the basement there is 12 ghosts and the machine starts releasing ghosts and what machine i forgot what it's called but it opens up the eye of hell the oculus infernum yeah which basically opens up the eye of hell for it to work you need 12 spirits plus a uh, human sacrifice of pure love so like a pure life force the reason why there's a machine in this house is because arthur's uncle was a ghost hunter who's trying to open up this portal to hell basically yeah and then you find out well cyrus isn't dead he faked his death to get arthur in the house for him to be the sacrifice to open up this machine all right that's basically the overall in a nutshell and the most of the movie takes place in this mansion with a bunch of these horrible ghosts running around who are just violent and they're very sadistic in the way they kill people. Think of think of what the Cenobites look like. Those are what, kind of what the uh, ghosts look like running around. And you also find out one of the ghosts is actually Arthur's wife, which was kind of a nice little plot twist, kind of shake things up. Okay, so that's the synopsis? Yeah. Okay, dear God, this movie was frustrating. I know you love it, but... Oh my god. It, and the reason why it was frustrating is because this movie is not without merit. This movie, the mansion looks cool. I like the way that uh, the rooms are sliding doors, constantly moving. It's kind of like a labyrinth, constantly moving. There was a lot of cool shots I thought were really good. The death scenes were really solid. I thought were pretty cool and gory and over the top. But dear God, the characters. Oh my God. I I couldn't get over. This movie has a couple of things which I don't like in horror movies, which is annoying children, which they had a, a, a babysitter slash housekeeper with them who does not babysit nor keep the house. I don't know how they could afford to have that. Like, they're like behind on bills. So they, like were, house- they were a struggling family living in a single apartment. And they hired a, hire a babysitter-sized ha- housekeeper who doesn't cook because c- c- the 
uh, father is like, why don't you let so-and-so cook? That's what we pay her for. He's like, well, have you ever tried her cooking? So she doesn't cook. The house isn't necessarily clean or anything. They're like all crammed in, like trying to have breakfast. Dishes are everywhere. So she doesn't like do dishes or anything like that. She loses the kid while inside the mansion when he said specifically stay here. So she doesn't babysit. So what is she even doing here? I feel like her character is unnecessary. I feel like if they needed one more character, have three kids, have like two no. teenage siblings. And then uh, that's where I disagree. I think they had too many characters. I don't think you needed either of the kids, <clears throat> nor do I think that you needed the what's her name? Maggie. And I uh, was Maggie the uh, babysitter. Maggie was the babysitter. <laughs> and I don't think you needed Maggie. This could have been a cool movie if you just kept Tony Shalhoub, who plays Arthur, uh, Matthew Lillard from Scream who played uh Dennis he was a, he's a psychic paranormal uh hunter as well and the Cyrus who helped him catch the ghost kept you could have kept Cyrus although I just kept calling him Salieri because he's that in Amadeus if you've ever seen that and you could have kept Tony Shalhoub's wife I think everybody else is unnecessary this could have been about he lost his wife and he's a down on his luck guy and he inherits a mansion from his who he thinks is his, his deceased uncle and Instead of the kids being the driving force of, I got to go save my kids, he could have learned halfway through, oh, my wife's uh, soul is trapped here. I want to free my wife's soul. And that could have been his driving force instead of his kids. And I think it would have been a lot less annoying. You wouldn't have had it with so many characters. Yeah, I see what you mean. But, you know, having kids as a driving force, I mean, I think more parents can relate to that. Yeah, but I plus mean, I feel like they they wanted to have a like a hot girl like most '90s horror movies has. They, so they That's got the girl from American Pie to come in. Yeah, Shannon Elizabeth. And I like I could I knew first off as soon as the kids were introduced that I was not going to dig these kids. Now I have nothing against good like like children actors if they're good because well the uh, the older sister American Pie girl isn't a kid but she plays like a yeah. teen but. I, I had no chemistry of siblings either. There are good child actors. Like off the top of my head, the first one I think of is Abra Stone as of recent one, or Abra Stone from Dr. Sleep. I yeah. thought she was a good child actress. Even the kid that they got to uh, the little baseball kid that they got to, he was only there for a little bit, but man, he, he sold him being killed and everything like that. They, they're good yeah. kid actors, but I don't think this one was the kid. Kid was annoying, running off. I and I knew the second that the daughter was like, "Well, you know, if we had a bigger house," I was like, "Well, you know what? We don't have a bigger house, all right? Our house burned up. Our your mom died, and I'm doing the best I can, all right." When she was exploring the house and she went up into the bathroom and looking at herself in the mirror, which first off, if you go back and watch that scene and she's looking at herself in the mirror, she spends like ten minutes looking at herself in the mirror, just adjusting one strand of hair on her head, like a single strand of hair that's going down on the left side. She spent like 10 minutes just like looking at herself just constantly messing with that i was like are you done yet and then when she uh when she went to the bathtub and turned on the running water they did that slow-mo shot of her pushing uh, you know throwing water in her face and everything and the look on her face you would think that this girl has never seen running water before like she acts like she has never had a luxury a day in her life i mean she had she was alive longer enough to live in a house and everything like that yeah so that she acts like they're so impoverished, but the dad is doing everything he possibly can. I'm just thinking to myself, yeah. poor Monk, poor Monk, poor Tony Shalhoub. I've actually never seen Monk. It's great. Uh, treat like, I've, it's a great show. I've always watched like commercials for it because I'd watch like Burn Notice and other shows on the USA Network. I watched that too. Yeah, never watched Monk. It's a good show. It's fun. Uh, give it a watch if you have a free moment. 
I did like the ghosts. The ghosts are dope in this movie. I thought the ghosts were really, really cool looking. I liked the uh, design of them. I really think you could have a TV series just going into the backstory of each ghost in this movie. That's what I was also thinking. I was thinking to myself, you know, this would work well if you just, if you had it as Dennis exploring these kind of ghosts. I was thinking of it more like have him live in this man. You could do a TV series where Dennis lives in this mansion and he's going around finding all these demonic ghosts. That would be cool. That would be a fun series to watch. Dennis is probably my favorite character in this movie. I liked that they made it that he physically hurts every time he gets a vision. Yeah, like every time someone touches him, he gets a vision of what they're going through. I think I think it's not necessarily he sees I think he he can only intercept pain. I think he's only a conduit for painful memories because that's all yeah. we, see. we never see him like, you know, Having touch somebody memories, and get happy yeah. memories. He only he can only see painful memories, which it was very it again, reminds me of the dead zone. And uh, if you've ever seen that, I have not. That was another TV series, too. But basically, that's a Stephen King movie. Psychic touches. Uh, he wakes up from a coma. He touches people and he can get visions. And sometimes it really like takes it out of him and hurts him. Uh-huh. But but yeah, he was definitely entertaining to watch. Yeah, he, he implied that he was in pain every time. Mm-hmm. Plus, he had the best line in the movie. What would that be? They're like, we're going to go down the basement. He's like, no. Did I say we had a petting zoo down there? No, there's ghosts down there. I feel like Matt Willard, people either love his acting or they get annoyed by it because he's always so over the top with everything. I enjoyed it um, in this one. I can I can totally get if people think like, man, this guy, I think he has the same kind of energy as like Jim Carrey. And uh, he's very animated in his acting. Yeah. And I enjoy that. I enjoy over the top. I, I enjoy it. I enjoyed yeah. it in this one. It didn't bug me, but I, I would I could see like it could bug me in a different circumstance. But in this case, it didn't really. But again, that's that just adds to why this is so frustrating, because you have some solid actors in here and you have solid premise i very much enjoyed the fact that it's like you know haunted house got a bunch of uh, ghosts in there cool looking ghosts solid deaths and they're trying to power a demon a machine as they said designed by the devil and powered by the dead that lets you see into the future past heaven and hell like that alone just see everything that alone is enough to get me on board with your story but again the kids not necessary but all right let me ask you then because i'm 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 ragging on these kids but do kids in horror movies can you think of more movies in which the kids didn't annoy you or that the kids actually played a part because for the most part it's hit or miss for me and i can think of more movies that had annoying kids in it than didn't. One popular one off the top of my head is Duke. Oh, God, I hate that movie. Uh, and and most people say they that. hate that movie because of the kid. Exactly, <laughs> and yeah. So that and this one falls into that same category for me. I'm sure I could sit here and list a bunch of them, but whenever I see a kid in a horror movie, I automatically go, all right, how annoying is this kid going to be? Sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised. Like I, I said, mean, like, with Dr. Sleep, I thought was pretty good the original and remake of it part one those kid actors those kid actors were good i enjoyed them yeah um i'll even say the kids in in both the tv original series and in the uh tv movie was uh they had good kid actors yeah i don't know like uh the little brother from fear street part one i don't know if you really consider him kid like preteen type deal I, I consider when good. I say yeah. kid, I say anybody who was about the age of this kid who was probably what, like eight, seven or eight, Nine. something like that, maybe? Yeah. Seven or eight to like 14. 
when I say kids. And then you have your own teenage ones, which they have their own thing that you can be hit or miss with them, but not as much as kids in that little age range. Yeah, like this movie and Babadook are like the two that sit out where it's like kid actor kind of kind of killed it. This movie, this has a little bit more cliches than a movie making fun of cliches does. Like, some of the lines that I wrote down that, that were said during the thing was, I want you guys to stay right here and don't move. And it's just like, all right, I've, I've heard that so many times in horror movies. It's like, but why would you say that? Because of course they're going to move. They're kids. It's like saying, I'll be right back. I'll be right back, which I, I really wish they would have said that. I really wish Matthew Lillard would have said that. I would love that. <laughs> um, and then, of course, downstairs when they're in the basement. All right, you go that way. Let's go this way. We need to split up. Don't split up. And then another thing I always find hilarious. You have some characters who will do some downright horrible things. The woman who, well, we pretty much spoiled it already. But later on in the movie, we find out that uh, there's this woman who comes in at like three quarters of the way through the movie who says that she's that she's there to actually free the souls of these people rather than have them trapped. Because these 13 ghosts are trapped and not they're not just doing it because they're haunting. They're trapped in this mansion. So she says, all right. I'm well, here she's because introduced at the beginning of the movie. I know, she's but at I, the junkyard trying I know to she's at the junk. I know she's at the junkyard, yeah. but she gets introduced late. She then it's like we don't see her forever, and then she comes back later. But she's like, "Oh, I'm here to save these ghosts," and then you come to find out she's actually working with Cyrus, and she's she killed her uh, partner at the junkyard. Yeah, I I don't out, yeah. ex oh she oh that's why she was there because she wanted to make sure that the nephew didn't get himself killed before he had to sac sacrifice himself later. Yes. So wait, I had a point for uh, that I was making. Damn it, I, I had a point that I was I was the reason I brought her up. Where the hell was I like going that, with this? <laughs> that was kind of like a random non needed plot twist, isn't it? No, I I I I, I hold on. I, I had a note here, and then I was like, all right, oh that's why. When so she's been complicit in all this, including some of these ghosts were actually victims by Cyrus himself, like the fourth ghost, which is Arthur's wife, who was intentionally killed so that her soul could be harvested. So I get the idea that most of these ghosts, if not all of them, were probably killed by Cyrus at some point and then just used as and harvested. At least that's the idea I got when we found out about Arthur's wife. I was like, oh, so maybe a lot of these ghosts were probably actually killed by Cyrus. Yeah, I feel like a couple of them he probably did kill. But she's complicit in all of this stuff. And then Cyrus tells her, go get the kids and tie them up and everything. And she's like, but they're kids. Now I, you have a moral compass. I, I always find it. There, there's so many movies that do that. like where they use. Yeah, but these are kids that we're talking about here. It's like, yeah, but, you know. You killed the you were complicit in killing their mom as well as trapping them here in this sadistic torture ghost house, but you don't want to tie them up and use them as bait. Like your morals went out the window a long time ago. Yeah, don't act like you give a shit now, because you don't. And then Cyrus killed her. And then Cyrus kills her, because of course he did. She's the fourteenth ghost. Yeah, she was uh no longer useful, so he got rid of her. And he only brought her in to make sure that uh, Arthur didn't die. But, I mean, that's my overall thought of the movie, is that I loved the premise. I loved a lot of the shot. Oh, real quick. And that's another. That's, I, that's the best way to say it, of why it's frustrating. It's like, I like this, but this. And I like this, but this. So, I like the ghosts. But every time they shot the ghosts, 
it was always really quick cuts with janky cameras. And I always wish that they would just more linger on them. I wish they had a lot more lingering shots so I could appreciate the prosthetics and the way they looked. But every time they showed the ghosts, for the most part, it was really quick cuts and really like like shaky yeah. camera kind of it stuff. was like they were trying to give us the point of view of the person with the glasses it, which it, i get yeah but at the same time out, yeah. i wanted to be able to appreciate the costume work and the prosthetics i wanted to appreciate wow this is a really creepy looking ghost yeah especially the jackal jackal was the one with the ch- uh, cage on her head right yeah because a couple of the ghosts got way more screen time than the others um the jackal being one of them Juggernaut had a little bit in the beginning as well as in the end. The hammer got a good amount of screen time. Hammer got a good amount of screen time, and so did the naked woman with the knife. Of course she did, because she was a naked woman. You gotta fill those seats. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, so if I were to rate this on a scale of 1 to 10, taking everything into account, the fact that I like half the cast I like... I guess I'd have to say five just because it's split right down the middle of I like this, but that. So it has to be like a five for me on a scale of one to ten because I love the premise. I love the costumes. I love some of the shots and I love the actors or half the actors, but I didn't like the kids. I didn't like the other half of the cast. I thought it was unnecessary. I didn't like the fact that they didn't linger on the shots as much as I would have liked. And some of the line reads were just really cringy. Yeah, I gotta say, the very worst scene in this entire movie was the last scene. Oh, you're talking about where she, like, it's like, I'm quitting, I'm out of here, mm-mm. They have to give her a sassy black woman voice. Yeah, why is that scene in there? It's not needed. You you also notice that when she was disabling the audio equipment, they made it like she was scratching records? Yeah, I noticed that, too. I'm like, oh, A lot of the stuff is just like with her, they did, like... It's like, all right, we have this woman in here. Let's make her a sassy black woman and let's have her scratch records. And I was like, you don't have to do that. Yeah. I mean, she's it's it's bad enough that her character really doesn't serve a purpose. You don't have to, like, make her a stereotype either about making her go. Mm-mm, I ain't I quit. Uh-uh, I am out of yeah, here. That, I was like, that last scene plays absolutely no purpose to the movie at all. Yeah, other than feel- her trying to be like, hey, let's give you a little laugh, which it wasn't really funny. Or, like, to show she's still alive. Uh, okay, we figured she survived. But you have a feel-good moment with the family. I think that she would That's have... That's bu- when the credits should have rolled. I think that she would have been better as, like, if she was, like, a family friend. She wasn't a babysitter or a housekeeper because she didn't do any of that. If she was just like, yeah, I'm a friend of his deceased wife's or something yeah. like that. And I, like, check on, you know, I check on the... Uh, I check on the kids and I sure. check on Arthur every so often just to see if they if they approached it with that angle, her character would have served more of a purpose because she did not act like a babysitter or a professional like housekeeper. Yeah, but I totally could see like, OK, well, maybe she's just a family friend who's just, you know, really concerned, you know, ever since the death of the wife. See, that would have made quick, a lot more sense. Quick script change like that. Quick change like that. You already you already made the character a lot better and gave her a reason to be around. That is very true. Just little changes, but then again, you have to kind of judge a movie based on what is given to you and not the movie that you would make. But as movie lovers, that's what we always tend to be critical. We always judge a movie based on what we would have done rather than what the movie gave us. I didn't make the movie, so I only judge it by that. But I imagine you would have given it a higher ranking. I said about five. I just always enjoy watching it. That's fine. I mean, I, I never really. This is the first time I actually broke it down and caught like a lot of those. There are plenty of movies that things, yeah. 
there are plenty of movies that are probably not that great that I like, but it has a nostalgic feel for me. Like uh, Friday the 13th, Jason Takes Manhattan is one of my favorite Friday the 13th. I was going to say, for me, it's the Langoliers. The Langoliers has annoying kids in it, has an annoying kid in it, has over-the-top cheesy acting and horrible CGI, but I have a soft spot for that movie. Yeah, so I'd say I give this an 8 out of 10. That's fair. Like I said, the movie is not without merit. I mean, if I was able to like remake the movie and rewrite the script, mm. it could be like one of the best movies to come out. The premise is for so a modern good. for a modern day thing. Yeah, because the premise of this movie is incredible. Yeah, I mean, you can make this movie anytime. It's not like it was made in 2001, you said? Yeah, the original got made in 1960 and then this remake was made in 2001. It was made in, two, in 2000 in the early 2000s, but it could have been made any time. And you can it's, yeah. it's, it's not like a product of its time kind of movie, maybe in terms of some of the, the dialogue, yeah. but the actual premise you could put in any time. Exactly. So that brings us to kill of the week, kill of the movie. I'm gonna, plenty to choose from in this one. Yeah, I'm going to go when the uh, sleazy lawyer gets sliced in half by the door. That would have been my second one. That was that dude was so unlike that. His writing also was just like, why would you sit there and taunt these sadistic ghosts for? Like, they made that character so unlikable. So it was very satisfying to get sliced in half. Um, although it also gives birth to one of the cringier lines that, of course, has to go to Maggie when she's like, oh, he looked better. Oh, I guess the I guess the uh, lawyer. What happened? Did he split? I was like, eh, eh. Uh. Yeah, yeah, well, she it. said that before she saw. I know, before, I, but, yeah. but that was said for the audience rather than anybody else. I was like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, we get it. I didn't catch that, but yeah, that's kind of uh, annoying. Mine was Dennis's death. Yeah, that's my uh, number two. Dennis's death because not only because we kind of see it twice. Not only did he foresee his own death, but then he had to live it. Yeah. Because he had a psychic premonition that he was going to get double teamed by the Juggernaut and Hammerman. I give it, I put it number one because the idea of knowing that it's coming, like the idea that a character knows, okay, I'm about to, I just foresaw my gruesome death and he still went on with it, with that in the back of his head. And then when he sees Hammerman and Juggernaut, he's like, oh yeah, well, here it comes. <laughs> yeah. I always cringe at the moment when he gets hit in the hammer, like right in his neck. Yeah. Just having to deal with neck injuries. I'm like, oh God, that, that does not feel good. Definitely getting his spine broken at the end. See, when he got hit with the hammer in the back of the head, I thought, all right, that hopefully that killed him. Hopefully yeah. that killed him enough that he just got Doesn't knocked out or just out, yeah. or blunt force trauma to the head and that he won't. But I kind of got the sense that once the juggernaut started throwing him around, no, he's still awake. He's still feeling all this. I was like, that sucks. On the other side that I thought was funny, at the beginning, the juggernaut kills a whole bunch of men gruesomely. Uh, one of them gets like uh, folded in half. Uh, another one gets just bludgeoned to death. Another guy gets sliced up. But then you have well, he gets a car toss on him. Like then you have one or two guys. He just uses his, I guess, telekinetic powers and like throws them a couple of yards and they like just hit a wall or something like that. Just kind of lightly bounced off of it. I'm like, you know, if I was that guy, I would immediately play the lottery that day because that dude is lucky. Everybody Lucked else got right folded yeah. and bludgeoned and everything, but this dude just got thrown a couple of feet. That dude is lucky. Yeah, as lucky as you can be in that situation. All right, let's get to these Facebook questions. 
So this is a new segment now. I'm just putting it out there to the social media uh, platforms to just ask them three random questions. Or they ask us three random questions. Well, not me specifically, but questions that I think would just be an interesting point to talk about. So we got three random ones right here. Um, I'll thank each individual person, but I'm not going to give away their last name because I didn't ask their permission uh, to use their name. So I'm just going to use their first name without giving away their last name. So first question, what place from your childhood would make a great setting for a horror movie. Mandy asks that question. Well, I grew up in uh, Gary, Indiana, which is kind of like super ghetto. So like anywhere in that town probably play a good role in a horror movie because it's all ran by like gang and street violence and drugs anyway. So would it be like a purge type movie or would you want like a slasher movie or like a serial killer type movie and set in the ghetto kind of thing? Probably be more like a purge type movie. Where I live now, though, I live in a small town with like 2,000 people. Mm -hmm. There's like a few houses in the neighborhood where you're like, I could see a slasher movie taking place there. I grew up in Columbus, Georgia for the first like nine nine years of my life. And there was this place called Hollywood Connections. Now, inside Hollywood Connections, there is uh, laser tag, bumper cars, a miniature golf course, an arcade upstairs a roller rink downstairs and a Ferris wheel type thing off. And this is all inside like this big, huge building. I would think that that would be a really cool thing. Basically a horror movie uh, set in like a a, a amusement park type thing, but inside. Have like a killer clown going after you guys? I don't know about killer clowns, but I just think that because it had so many things, you could do stuff in the miniature golf uh, course you could do. You could have some kills in the bumper cars. You could you could definitely have fun in the laser tag thing. And uh, it also had an IMAX movie theater in there. Like this place, I'm probably romanticizing it a little bit because I was super young when I was there. But just imagine all of that stuff in just a big building. And you there's just so many places that you could just have some fun kills. I'm thinking along the lines of Willy's Wonderland kind of thing. Where oh, yeah. where it's just so over the top and the deaths are just like this is a horror, this would be a horror movie that you go in going like, all right, this is not going to be serious or like super jump scary, but this is going to be like more of a fun over the top kind of we're going to try, try to get really creative with these kills kind of fun. So like a terrifier. No, because uh, terrifier because uh, terrifier was a little too serious, but I'm talking about that's why I said Willie's Wonderland is like because yeah. it's Nick Cage beating up on animatronics. I'm talking about that level of ridiculous. OK, I got you. And but I don't know who the villain would be or what would happen. They would have I would probably set a local legend of somebody who died around there and is picking off people. I like it. All right. Next question is from Lex. Saying, what gimmick would you choose for a slasher movie villain? What's a gimmick that hasn't been done for a slasher movie that would be cool to give a random slasher villain? I think I know mine. Just because I'm a horror movie guy, it would be that he would pose his victims in famous movies uh, as if they're in famous movie things. Oh, damn. I don't know if you've ever seen Psych. Yeah. Uh, he was, they were going after uh, this yin yang killer and they, and he based his last, like he propped up a bunch of, uh, his clues about 
Alfred Hitchcock movies. Like one was set in a in a building that was supposed to be like rear window and another one was supposed to be set on top of a building that was supposed to be like vertigo. My, mine would probably be, it would be a serial killer who, no, actually, I, I, I changed my mind. Because I was at I'll, I'll, okay. a slasher movie based on this because I actually started trying to write a book about it. A slasher villain who writes in his book, He, but the only way that he can write in his book is that he has to recreate his, uh, what happens in his book. So he... Okay, yeah. So in order to get inspiration of how to write a specific scene in a story, he has to physically do it. So so the method actor killer or the method killer is what I would call him in that he, he has writer's block. And the only way to get over it and to do his scene is to actually go out and kill the person in the same way that the character does in the story. That way he can come back home and write about it. That would be my my gimmick. He's a method. He's a method writer and in, in that he has to do it himself in order to write about it. Mine would be, uh, this is actually something I actually thought about writing a book about. Mine would be like a serial killer who basically he's going after people who feel sinned and he got this like righteousness about him because he feels like he's doing it for the Lord. Okay. Yeah, like the way I based my book is like, you know, he starts going after like beginning with like serious offenders, like pedophiles and murderers. So like, like Dexter. Yeah, and so, like, the police force isn't taking it seriously. And then he starts, you know, going down the line where he's murdering people for adultery or working on the Sabbath. So it's kind of like a mixture of Dexter and John Doe from Seven. Yeah. I like that, and I like the idea, because religious killers who do that like that are some of the uh, scarier ones because there's no reasoning with them. Yeah, because they feel like they're in the right, no matter what point out they feel like they're in the right they're some of the scariest but they're also some of the most like god i hate that part. like if you ever saw the mist the that woman yeah because she was oh uh, the religious fanatic too right yeah like she is up there in terms of like most annoying characters for me but sometimes you do uh you get them and it's like man but that's kind of what makes them scary because there's like no reasoning with them exactly seven's a great movie though yeah I'm going to definitely have to watch it uh, during this Halloween season. That's definitely on my list of movies to watch again. Do you consider like a seven, a horror movie or more of a thriller? I think that thriller is a subsection of horror. Okay. Yeah. So uh, movies like that, um, where it doesn't, it's not necessarily based on gore or anything like that. I just put it as a subsection of horror because it's essentially doing the same thing and making you feel tense and a little bit afraid. Okay, yeah, I feel you. So, last question, and this one's from Sunny. If you were to book an Airbnb and there were only two destinations to pick, which would you choose? The one from, or the cabin from Cabin Fever or Cabin in the Woods Cabin? I'd go with Cabin in the Woods Cabin. It's Cabin Fever, man. That's That's bacteria. That's an illness you can't really see it coming but well the thing also is wasn't it just because they drank from that tainted well supply wasn't it so it wouldn't if you just like didn't drink from the well and make sure nobody does that you'd be kind of fine wouldn't you i think that being in covid now has prepared us all for preparing you know the place would be scrubbed down head to toe and everybody would be wearing masks gloves and carrying ajax yeah but somehow almost everyone ends up infected and those who don't when the local government comes in they just kind of assume you're infected mm-hmm. yeah. um i i chose cabin in the woods too though i had a good reason for it i'm trying to remember it but 
Essentially, well, the thinking is that if you're at the cabins in the woods place, you aren't alone. You at least have four other people there, and at least one of them is allowed to survive. And it's like everyone will survive as long as no one touches anything. And the world will be fine so long as one of the other places around the world is successful. Exactly. So long as the little Asian children don't sing that song of happiness that releases the ghost spirit and turns it into a frog. Yeah, that was random. But yeah, I chose Cabin in the Woods too. But it all depends though, because it depends on what roll of the dice of what creature is going to come after you. Exactly. But also with Cabin Fever, it's like, are we going there when the water's back there? Or is it just going to be like a... I'm assuming that we go there not knowing ahead of time that these places are what they are. Okay, so yeah, I'd probably end up drinking the water because I'm someone, I don't, tap water doesn't bother me, so I'd probably end up drinking the water there and probably dying. Uh, yeah, just there's so many instances where you would like get at least with cabin in the woods there's a physical thing that you can see that you could possibly have a fighting chance against and you're assuming that you're not also by yourself uh you know that bacteria it was pretty bad Uh, yeah like it's something you can't see you don't really plus notice until it's if i die if i die in cabin in the woods at least I know that it was for a better cause that, you know, it prevented the world from destroying itself. Plus, if you die, it's going to be a lot quicker. Probably not as painful as dying, like... Slowly from a bacteria thing, your skin falling off? Yeah. That's a terrible death. I would not want to go through with that. I'd shoot myself if that was happening to me. Well, I think that about does it for this week's podcast. This is the first one that... We actually um, were on opposite sides of the fence on in terms of enjoyment. And I think that that's It's okay. good, though. It made it made yeah. it that we can actually talk about it. Something. Yeah. And there's going to be more like that. Now, this week, uh, we said that we were going to get with Horror Sphere 90, and he was going to choose our movie of the week because of the ass-whooping that he gave us on the... Well, it wasn't an ass-whooping. We were... Only, we lost by like we lost three by votes. three points. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna talk to him and see if he wants us to do it ourselves, or if that's a movie that, or if it's a movie that he wants to suggest, and then he eventually comes on. But if for some reason he cannot uh, pick, or he wants to save it for when he's on the podcast with us, uh, as a backup, I will go ahead and throw out a pick that if it doesn't go this week, it'll be mine for my next go around. I'm saving, I'm saving my favorite horror movie for when it gets closer to Halloween time. So I'm going to say, all right, how about this one? Because I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the first one, but I've seen the third one. How about Wishmaster? I've never seen that. I've seen the third one. I have not seen the first Wishmaster. So we're doing the original Wishmaster. We'll do the original Wishmaster for my pick. If we, if Horror Sphere doesn't. Uh, give us a choice then that'll be it or it'll either be this week or the next week it's my choice we'll do Wishmaster alright man I like that one alright but other than that that'll about do it for this week's podcast and uh, you want to tell us where they can find us yeah you can find us on Spotify iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts and if you're watching this video on YouTube make sure to like and subscribe and uh, always and again, feel f- yeah. free to uh, reach out to us at Bodybag Pod on Twitter, Bodybag Podcast on Instagram, with any comments, any way you think we could improve the podcast, or if you just want to ask questions. 
And uh, thank you for any and all of those who have been sticking by and uh, listening to us. Uh, we especially those it. from the beginning. We appreciate anybody who decides to listen. We do this for fun, and if anybody gets any kind of enjoyment listening about two dudes geeking out over horror movies, then that's fine. I'd like it. I'd, li- I'd like if people enjoy it, too. All right. Everyone, have a good week. Take it easy.